welcome to the Walking in Heels podcast, where the journey is the blessing. I am your host, Kimberly White. Come walk with me as we step into healing, enlightenment, acceptance, love, and sexual power, uncovering and healing those perceptions that keep us from living the lives we deserve. Get ready to take the next step into your destiny. Okay. <laughs> All right. Hello, ladies. It is your girl, Kimberly White, and welcome to the Walking in Heels podcast. So excited about this episode and our special guest that we have who's going to be sharing on the topic, Sis, You in Danger, Girl. So today um, we have, well, I have the pleasure of interviewing and talking with my near and dear friend who also happens to be a life coach and is even my life coach from time to time. So you guys are going to get a wealth of knowledge from her. Erica J. Pierce, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you so much for having me. So excited to chat with you today, Miss Ken. Yes, Miss Girl, (laughs) Miss Erica, I'm excited to have you. Um, I think Natalie as well, um, another good friend in our crew is going to be hopping on as well. Um, So I'm going to kind of go into the intro and then Natalie will come on and we'll get into the whole spiel. All right. So for this title, for this episode, we're going to be talking about some of the signs that often gets overlooked when we're in a dating scenario. Um, Most of these signs are subtle and they if you catch them quickly, you'll be able to avoid potentially dangerous relationships, okay? So that's the whole goal. What we're gonna talk about is what is danger? What danger are we speaking about? We're gonna give you some scenarios of instances that we have gone through um, where we either saw the danger and got out of it, or we didn't see the danger and what the consequences of that or those decisions were. Lastly, we're gonna give you, you know, a checklist of things for you to kind of check off when you're meeting a person, because believe it or not, you will see these attributes show up in the very beginning, in the very beginning. Doesn't matter if you're dating a guy, doesn't matter if you're dating a girl. The same way that we are sizing up people for potential partners, dangerous people are sizing you up as potential prey. So we want to keep that in mind. I want y'all to leave out of here with just just tunnel vision and um, a really quick identification of situations that you need to avoid. We'll lastly talk about people who may actually already be in a relationship that's not so good and how you can get out also giving you some resources as well. So perfect timing. I am just finished (laughs) wrapping up the intro and here comes Natalie. So we will give her opportunity to join. Hey, Nat. Hey. Let me get my camera going. I'm sorry. I'm getting ready for the gym. So excuse my attire. No, you look good. You look good, girl. That is back in the background. Let's move that. There you go. I was going to say, let's go right off or... Yeah. Okay. So, okay. I'll work on my lighting, but in the meantime, between time, hi. 
So, okay, here's the deal. We just went through the intro. I know that all three of us can talk because we've got some really dynamic stories about this um, topic. So I'm going to go ahead and just kind of start the flow of the conversation. And um, basically, we are going to start with danger. What is danger, right? Um, In a potential dating situation. So just to throw that out, danger is any relationship you enter that could have an adverse effect on your mental, emotional, or physical well-being, period. One doesn't trump the other. Um, to be honest, and my good sis, the girls here will probably agree, but y'all let me know if y'all agree with this. Emotional is oftentimes more destructive than physical. Absolutely. Absolutely. It it lasts a little longer. So I'm saying that to say that all three of these things, they're on equal footing um, because the physical could also lead to death. So we're just going to keep it funky here, right? We've been through too much. We've seen too much. And basically what we want to do is help y'all to avoid any and all of these. I hate hearing this, y'all, when a person's like, well... You know, as long as he's not slapping you upside the head, no. there's a lot of other things, right? That right. a can be doing that's just as bad. Erica, did you want to time in on no, that? No, it's just that sometimes people see abuse, they only think abuse happens physically, but the emotional damage that happens, the, the things that you suppress, the things that you hold inside and don't tell anyone about can affect you, like you said, a lot more than the physical. The physical can eventually heal. But what happens to you internally and mentally and emotionally sticks with you forever. So that's, to me, that's even worse because you don't, you don't notice, you don't feel like it's something you need to point out or to do something about and you kind of accept it. Yeah, so. I agree. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Do you have anything on that? Yeah, for sure. It's the scars you don't see. I mean, we can, you can hide that emotional abuse and, oh, he just, bad day or he's not normally like that whereas if it's a physical scar people can see it and you can't quite whisk it away or explain it away and a lot of times we're even taught to accept it because he is a provider at least he comes home at night it's like we're almost to accept the crumbs just to say we have a man and like I said before I think that we've come to a place where we've we almost want the title over the treatment. That's my husband. But yet this man has slept with everybody. This kid's everywhere. You know, there's no respect, but you can say, well, yeah, he was out with so-and-so, but he come home to me. It's like, that a badge of honor that he came home to you after you slept with everybody and treated you like everything? There it um, is. You the, just the, the whole bar. <laughs> right. Yeah. Seeking titles over treatment will get you into a, a emotional pothole in your relationship that can be very hard to climb out of because you have all of the trappings of relationship goals, right? At least that how it, how it would look. But inside of that relationship and inside of yourself, you're probably a shell of the person that you used to be. So what's the point of gaining everything if I've lost myself, right? Right. Um, you are valuable. We are all valuable. And 
we've all had our own experiences in these situations. So um, just to wrap that up, danger is, again, emotional, mental, physical. Um, who can this happen to? Right? Everybody. Anybody. <laughs> Even the strongest of them all. You know, and may I just say, the one thing I despise the most is when I hear people say, but she's so pretty. Like, that means anything regarding any, how are you less susceptible to abuse or these, these dangerous situations because you're attractive, so to speak? Now, you know? I'm hearing just a little bit of feedback when you- Let me know if better. Is- That's better. Okay. Yeah. Um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, but this whole thing about a person's level of attractiveness, they're not they're supposed to be exempt from some sort of treatment. You know, it's like, oh, he yeah. did that to her, so pretty. Or, and, and I don't understand that, like, first of all, everyone's beautiful in their own right, number one. And abuse does not care, you know, what you, what's going on with my hair? Don't look at that. Abuse does not care about how you look, what you do, how much you make, how many degrees you have, none of that. It comes and we, we're all acceptable to it. Totally agree with that. Um, and that's actually a point that I wanted to talk about in terms of the signs that, that you need to look for when you're in a relationship. It's going to tie back into the looks and the degrees. So y'all make sure that I get back on that. Um, because there's a sign in particular that you will notice very early on um, that'll kind of pick at those things about you in order to position you to accept abuse. Um, So yeah, I agree. Abuse can happen to anybody. It happened to me. I personally felt like the things that the person who I was dating that they liked about me in the beginning, they liked them. But it's almost as if they wanted to get with me to take some of that energy that I had and make it their own. And that meant stripping me of the energy that I brought to the table. So um, it's kind of like, like soul sucking in a sense where this man acquired this beautiful chess piece, but in order for him to get the energy that he needs from it, he has to suck it all out of, out of, out of me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So and a lot of times that happens, um, the polar opposites, the attractions, for example, narcissists and empaths, um, people that are, are um, overly giving and that feel like they need to take care of others narcissists are attracted to those people and those people are attracted to narcissists. So it's like the perfect culmination of the, of a hot mess relationship because they're giving everything and the narcissist is taking everything. Yeah. So knowing where you fall, knowing some of your own um, maladaptive behaviors can, can help you to see, to help you to see what, what things make you more vulnerable to those people who may prey on certain things about you. I so agree with that, Erica. I was going to say, too, I think everybody can attract a potential abuser. If you have anything about you that is attractive to someone, they'll see it and they'll they'll come to you. But the difference is, do you continue to entertain that person or do you say, 
I'm chucking a deuces, you got to go. Right. And that does speak to these maladaptive behaviors, things that we didn't really get um, fully matured in as we were growing up, right? So say, for instance, in my story, um, I experienced sexual abuse when I was a kid. How did that you know, show up for me when I was an adult was I had a lack of boundaries. It was very hard for me to set boundaries for myself as I grew up. Um, Anybody can have something in their past, any type of abuse or um, neglect that you faced in your past, I think can, can affect whether or not you entertain this fool until mm. you heal and wake up. Exactly. That's very, very true. Uh, even in my personal experience, I've noticed in my mental health journey, um, as I grew in it, I was still attracting guys that were toxic or unhealthy, but I was recognizing it. And it was almost kind of weird because once you get to a place where you kind of come out of the fog, it's so clear. Like you just see the sign and you're like, oh no. Oh, and then it's, it's not only do you see it, but you're comfortable walking away. Once upon a time, I didn't want to walk away because I was so worried about offending another person or making them, you know, feel a certain way, or I just didn't want them to feel rejection. And I would just accept the bull crap because I'm like, well, they probably don't mean it or they're not, they don't, whatever. And I was like, why am I just making excuses for this person's behavior when I'm uncomfortable? What about me? Yes. Now I'm at a place where if I meet a, a man and it doesn't feel right, I'm like, it was very nice meeting you. Uh, I don't think there's a connection here. Take care, good luck. And it, I don't feel this burden of, oh my God, I hope I didn't hurt his feelings or, oh my God, I hope he's okay. Or let me just wait it out. Like I'm okay. And it feels so good. So to piggyback onto what Kim said, yes, you're still going to attract that element. And people think that once they've healed or they're healing, that I'm not going to attract that energy anymore. You're going to attract people, period. Yeah. But now you have the power and the mental compass to say, I'm uncomfortable and this is not where I want to be and it's okay. Yeah. Amen. And it's funny too, um, going back to like you were talking about, maybe Kim was talking about childhood traumas or what have you, experiences that you've had growing up. Um, for myself, it's like, I may have seen love in a way that wasn't necessarily the right way. Um, I may have experienced something. I can tell you exactly. I saw a, a couple fighting one time as a child out my window and they were literally having a fist fight, accidentally kicking their baby in the car seat across, like across the street. And I just remember seeing that dynamic of like a couple fighting um, and just other things I may have experienced. But then as an adult, it's like, well, what does love really look like? And I know a lot of people may not have, um, the right, I guess, blueprint. Mm -hmm. And so for myself, at one point, I felt like love was chaos. It, it, it was drama. That's what people do when they're in love. It's just, it's just what it is. And you start to go down this road mm -hmm. where you start to accept certain things because you think it's normal and it's not. Mm -hmm. And then the extent of how far it goes is individual, obviously, but it's so easy when people say, I would never, that can never happen to me. I would never let anyone abuse me. And then, but then you find yourself in that situation because it's gradually grown into that. Yes. Yeah. You didn't see it coming. Yes. Yeah. And this is, I, I think that, you know, 
for a while, I used to feel embarrassed, you know, saying that I allowed myself to get into an abusive relationship because my mother was a domestic abuse survivor. So I was that person. It was like, I'll never let that happen to me, you know? Um, but what I took from it was that this is, this is my opportunity to address a blind spot in my being and who I am and to get clear on it. Because not only does that blueprint of love, right, whether it's, it's dysfunctional AF or not, um, you, when you start to accept that behavior, I'm telling you, you will find that you have friendships that are messed up. Your relationships with your family are messed up. With the way yourself. you yourself. Yes. Yourself. <laughs> Come on. We don't even be feeling comfortable in our own skin because we keep bringing in people that are feasting off of us. And we just start to feel useless after a certain point. Like, life is hard enough. You know what I'm saying? Um, so anyway, yeah, that was, that was that. Thank you for sharing Erica. That's so true. The blueprint is, um, is very real. Is May I pick back off of Erica's point? Yeah. So, and I, I love Erica's point about, we don't see, we haven't seen, like a lot of us haven't seen a healthy relationship and what that actually looks like. Yeah. Look at the other side of that. When you, we watch television, and we see the healthy relationship, even that isn't realistic because people do disagree. People do have difference of opinion. People do uh, hurt their other, hurt their partner in some way. Yes. But yet we don't even see, we need to see the extreme perfect fairy tale where like when you meet that person, everything just clicks. Everything is perfect. Like, and yeah. in our mind, when we meet that person, we're not gonna ever have issues. And then we'll just keep meeting people, meeting people, looking for that click, which isn't realistic. So it's like we have the one side that's dysfunctional and we're constantly fighting and holding on to something that is completely bad for us and our well-being and, also, and the other person as well. And then we're seeking this unrealistic unicorn that doesn't exist. So we just stay in a cycle of looking for the click but tolerating the BS. True. And when do you get off the, the, the merry-go-round? When do we get off and realize that a, a healthy relationship actually falls in the middle. It has it has elements of disagreements and and, and discussions and not agreeing and, and 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 just maybe even having arguments. It happens. And at the same time, somebody who doesn't disrespect you and still loves you through it all, regardless of the fact that you guys don't agree. And we we don't see that on TV or in our in our in our day to day a lot of the times. Yeah, I agree. Let me yeah. pose this question to y'all. Um, piggybacking off of what the two of you said, and I'm gonna quit using the word piggybacking because we used it like a shot game. Y'all take shots every time someone says piggyback. <laughs> um, all right, so so to your point, how does one because you are absolutely right, happiness or healthy right? Falls in the middle. You got to be willing to address conflicts. It can't be me and my husband or me and my wife never argue. And it also can't be me and my wife or me and my husband are always arguing when it is somewhere in the middle. How do we, if we haven't seen these blueprints, how do we determine and identify what healthy love is for us? Can any of y'all give me some input on that? Hmm. <laughs> 
No, I can, I know what I've done. I'm trying to think of a generalized way to say it, but I can just only speak for myself. Let's go there. Um, so being that I grew up in a Christian household, um, I forget which Corinthians verse it is, but there's a verse that talks about what love is, what is patient, mm-hmm. is kind, it doesn't boast and all those things. Mm-hmm. And so I literally took that as a blueprint for myself because I've seen pieces of healthy relationships, but mm-hmm. never, I love my parents to death. They did great with me, but they weren't the greatest for each other. Mm-hmm. So that being said, I had to piece those things together for myself. And I just took that verse yeah. and put it into, reworded it to what that means for me. How do I, how do I use those things toward myself? Yeah. And I didn't figure that junk out until way late in the game. Well, I guess fortunately, unfortunately, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But um, learning how to give that to myself made it a lot easier to recognize it coming from someone else. Um, that's so powerful that you shared that. I'm sitting over here trying to find the verse. I, it's in Corinthians. Yes. I know it's one of them, but um, <laughs> that that's a powerful blueprint. Um, Erica and the crazy thing is that I looked at that too right and I remember when I started my journey a long time ago and I was in the middle of a a abusive relationship very emotionally right Um, deprecating relationship and I was like is this even accessible for me like I literally looked at those verses and or that passage of scripture and was like is this acceptable I mean, is it accessible? Will someone be all of these things for me? And I'm living proof to to tell people that true love does exist. Like, yes, I'm single right now, but after I went through one portion of my healing process, I've attracted some beautiful, loving, enriching relationships that embodied those things. And if they did, when they didn't embody them, I had to go, you know, at certain points. But I think too, a lot of that is coming from within, like you have to and en- like enact that blueprint for yourself. Right. I now, think of a, lo- a lot of times now abuse can happen to anybody. We already talked talk about that. It can, you can have all your stuff together internally, mentally, emotionally, what have you. And it can still happen to you. So I'm not negating that. But a lot of times it happens too when there's some um, some insufficiencies within yourself. And again, speaking for myself, when, you know, when there's when self-love and self-esteem and those things are not where they need to be, you accept yeah. a lot of things that you don't need to accept. Yeah. And you you overlook warning signs and yellow flags and orange flags and and ignore the red flags. Like you're just ignoring all of that junk. And um, it's not until, it wasn't until I started to really pay attention to what it was I needed and what it was I needed to give to myself that I was able to like, not even entertain a lot of this stuff. Like, for example, we talked about like the warning signs, like how do you know at the beginning that this person might be danger? Well, for me, I know certain things are going to trigger me, certain things I cannot deal with. So if, if kindness is one of the traits that I am looking for, and I see someone who's mean to a waiter when we go out to our first dinner, you're out. I don't have time to figure out if it was a bad day because that's, that's just not what I'm, what I want to match up with. You know what I mean? Yes. So little things like that, it, as you start to, to strengthen your own self-awareness and um, self-esteem and what have you, you start to just 
see things like Natalie said, you see things a little bit more clearly and you don't accept things and you don't have an opportunity to get into these situations that could potentially turn into danger because you just kind of knock them out the box when they come. Yes, facts, 100%. And let me just say, one of the signs, I'm going to get into that. We're going to delve more into the signs and we're getting there. Um, but one of the signs, the main signs that we need to look for, y'all, when we're out in these dating arenas is pay attention to how you respond to them. Pay attention mm. to how you feel when you're around them. Yes. If, if you begin to feel less confident for any reason when you're around this person, if you begin to feel unsafe or like you have to raise an eyebrow, um, if you feel uneasy or confused, I'm like, seriously, confusion is such a dangerous weapon. People will confuse you to throw you off balance so that they can take <laughs> advantage of you. So really be in tune with yourself. Like Natalie said, and I've been there, girl, as well, where I'm like, I don't want to let, you know, I don't want to make him feel bad. I don't want to mess up his ego, right? Because I'm telling him I'm straight. And I think we also get some of that because of our upbringing. I was 11, 12 years old, walking through the streets of Detroit, you know, a guy being in his car like, hey, hey, can I get your number? And I'm like, I got a boyfriend. And he's like, all right, fuck you then, bitch. <laughs> I'm just like, whoa. Where did that come from? That escalated way too fast. <laughs> yes. And guess what? It escalated every day, y'all. Like, I don't know if y'all had that experience, but for me, a little girl growing up in Detroit, you had that too, Erica? Oh, yeah. And Natalie, I see you shaking your head. It's like, every day. Yeah. So then from a young age, we have to learn to finesse these fools' egos, right? We're trying to finesse them so that we don't walk out of the gas station with a black eye or with someone being even more berating in how they speak to us. Um, and then we kind of just bring those things as we grow older because we realize, hey, they have a fragile ego. That's not the business. So, you know, instead of even putting ourselves in situations where we have to endure that long term, Listen to how you respond. If y'all have come up in situations similar to ours, chances are your, your body is going to tell you he's one of them or, you know, he kind of veers to the left a little bit. You might want to watch that and sis, please watch it and honor it because your body is your best friend. Don't smash more wine. Don't yeah. smash more Hennessy. Don't yeah. smash more champagne and try to like, um, drown out what your body is telling you in that moment if you're uncomfortable if you don't like it go and cut ties yeah because it's, it's something your body knows before your brain does it can pick that stuff up that's what it's equipped to do your nervous system picks up what's going on in the environment before it hits here so when it when you feel it you go you it's it's pulling up something for a reason and you have yeah. to trust that and you have to be aware. So this is the biggest thing for me. It's mm. the biggest <laughs> aha moment. It's your intuition is extremely strong, but your inner child talks a little bit louder than your intuition at times. And there are times where you have to understand, is that my inner child or my intuition? 
because your inner child, if it recognizes a toxic trait that you have been around and exposed to, you're going to, your inner child is going to want to go to that because it's familiar. And your intuition could be telling you no. And, and the reason why I bring this up is because I had an example. There was a guy that I met and I wasn't attracted to, but he was nice and we hung out. And when I wasn't around him, I was looking forward to hanging out with him. I was like, oh, I want to go out with him. He seemed really nice. But then when I got around him, I, I wasn't like, I didn't want to be in his presence. It was the most contradictory thing I've ever experienced in my life. So at, when I'm with him, I didn't want him to touch me. I didn't want to like be in his embrace. But when I wasn't around him, I was looking forward to being around him. So I, I come to the conclusion or the understanding that that was a conflict between my inner child and my intuition. When I was in his presence, so my good. intuition yeah. was saying, this is not good. But when I wasn't around him, my inner child was like, I want to be around him. He's familiar. Yeah. But it so we have part of the healing journey. This is why healing is so important and getting on the journey because you may think, oh, and you're like, my God, he's a good guy. But your ma'am, that's your inner child. Am I going out? Yeah, you're going in and out. Yeah. She was saying she was saying that it's not your gut um, telling you that this is a good guy. It's your inner child. Go it's ahead. It's your inner child. If your inner child is, and that's who it's damaged, a lot of times that's what's damaging us. It's our inner child. If your inner child is the one that is saying, this feels right, like you have that instant connection to a person, a lot of the times it's that familiarity. And that's the thing that you probably should be avoiding. And you're like, no, my gut says it. I feel comfortable with him. No, ma'am. Your inner child recognizes that familiar person. But your gut is saying, no, but the child talks a lot louder than your gut. So when you get on your healing journey, you're able to decipher the difference between your inner child and your intuition. And now my intuition is louder than my inner child. Beautiful. So I, I feel it now. And I'm like, when I, with, that, with the example that I used with that guy... And this might have been a couple weeks in. I realized that my inner child was, I mean, my, my intuition was saying no. And I listened to my intuition because like Erica said, our intuition knows, it knows. And I stepped away from the situation and I felt very comfortable, very calm, very okay with it. But um, a part of this journey is recognizing and being able to tell the difference between who's talking and who you're listening to. Mm. Listen to your intuition mm. while you're working on your inner child. Yes, facts. You know, it's interesting. I'll just say this real quick. You said that I did a um, exercise with my therapist and she had me write down, what did your father teach you about love? Not necessarily words, but your experiences, your interaction with your father. What did he teach you about love? What did your mother teach you about love? And when I write, wrote all those things down, um, it was something random, something as simple as um, love meant distance because my parents were divorced. Love meant working hard. My mother was a single mother, so she was always at work. So was my dad. So what do I do as an adult? I date unavailable men. You see how that works? So that inner child, like I, I meet a guy who's unavailable. It feels comfortable. The inner child says he's the one because he feels, it feels good. But my intuition is like, no, sis, you want him to be around. You want to watch Netflix and chill. Maybe not. But you know what I'm saying? Like, it's I totally get what you're saying. And, and I think when we take the time to really 
work out what does it mean to us, then we really start to see where those, again, maladaptive behaviors come from, what that inner child wants versus what we actually need. Yes. And what yes. we attract. Yes. Or entertain. Come on, sis. Yes. 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 Let me tell y'all something. There's a book that talks all about it. It's called Get- Getting the Love That You Want by Harville Hendricks. I love this book because it teaches you that you will attract people who basically have the, the characteristics, good and bad, of your your uh, your family support, influence, your family of origin. Yeah, thank you, Nat. They'll have that. And so most of the times we're attracted to the, the bad things because we're still searching for that validation. So this is so good, y'all. I am loving this. We got five minutes. I think we're going to we're gonna wind it down and then we're going to come right back and do a part two, okay? <laughs> but it's going to be two podcasts because it's so, so good and I don't want to rush anything. Um, but I do want to say thank you for sharing that, Nat. I've been through that too, um, where it's like someone said it in a song. I'm, I always, I'm always wanting to be around you until you're here, or I never feel lonely until you're around, like some type of riddle, but yeah. it's so true, right? I, I want you, but then when you're here, I feel alone. I feel like I don't even like you. And that's the difference between um, like chemistry and comfort. I can have chemistry with you off the charts when I meet you. It can be sexual. It can be something that I can't even explain, right? But I just want to be around this person. And that doesn't necessarily mean that I want that I'm comfortable because I can have chemistry with you, but still feel like I have to put on a certain image to be worthy of being around you. I'm still looking for that validation. So when we say chemistry, think back to what my girls are saying, you're probably like getting chemistry because your inner child is being wound up at this point, but that's not necessarily a recipe for true companionship or something that's healthy. So it really does boil down to us getting to know ourselves better. Um, Taking out that time when we say, hey, I'm going to take some time for this relationship and I'm just going to date myself. Girl, don't do it for a week. Don't just date yourself for a week, sis. Give yourself some time and really, you know, whether it's yoga, whether it's meditation, y'all may feel like, yo, this stuff is boring. I don't like it. But you have to find a way, whether it's talk therapy, you have to find a way to connect with yourself again or for once. Maybe you haven't, you've never felt connected to yourself. Truth be told, as a woman, and especially as a Black woman, you almost disassociate from your body and your own personal experience because we, as women overall, have kind of been subjugated to be the help me, put everybody else's needs before your own. So why would you pay attention to it, right? Why would you pay attention to your relationship with yourself? Don't feel bad that you haven't, just... If this is hitting you, take it as a wake-up call to start investing in you. And that may require you to get around a friend group that will understand it and that will encourage it and pour into you as well. Um, So I'm going to just wrap some final thoughts here from the girls. And then, um, by the way, I love y'all so much. And thank y'all for being my friend group. Y'all are so, so dope. Oh, we love you too. So, so dope. Okay. Um, We've been talking about doing a podcast 
together or kind of for a while and now it just came together and it's the perfect perfect recipe so um I'm going to wind it down, y'all. We talked about danger. We talked about who it could happen to. We talked about looking into yourself, your inner child. Um, next time we go up, we're going to do, Nat shared a great example, actually, about her guy that she was with. So we're going to give two more examples on this next episode. We're also going to leave y'all with five signs that you can look for in the beginning to check off. We're going to give you some tips on having a graceful exit and then we are going to share some resources for women who are already in those situations, unfortunately. So we've got one minute to go. Um, I hope you all have enjoyed it. Definitely check out part two. And I'm going to get to my co-host for final thoughts. Erica, we'll start with you. Final thought, you need to make sure you watch part two because we're going to give all the rest of the gems at that point. We talked about it. Now we're going to make have a solution. Be about it. Bang, bang. <laughs> My final thought is it's you. Point blank, period. You have to put the work in. This is not a quick fix. Losing weight, getting your mental health together, breaking an addiction. It's not a walk in the park. It doesn't happen right? And it's not a matter of just watching the video and then things change. You have to do the work. It is hard. We all have to struggle through missing things and vices and cutting people off and changing things. And it was worth every minute of it. It's worth it, but you got to put the work in. All right. Y'all stay tuned to part two. We love y'all. Thanks for checking us out. Please follow my co-host. I am Natalie Marie on IG. Erica J. Pierce on IG at Erica J. Pierce on IG. And I am Tim White on Instagram as well. Love y'all. And we'll see y'all for part two.